Welcome to the Hangout in the Holy Land, the official podcast of LarryandGrantHolyLand.com, your SB Nation blog covering all things Ohio State athletics. I am not your host, Colton Denning. Uh, Colton is out doing something. I don't know where the hell he is. But my name is Matt Tamanini, but don't worry, I am joined by Patrick. What, what does he call you? The, the Scrappy Socialist? Is that what he calls you? That, that's one of them, yeah. We have several nicknames. <laughs> okay. I am joined by the Scrappy Socialist, Patrick Mayhorn. Uh, how's it going? We, I haven't done a podcast with you in a long time, Patrick. It has been a while. I think the last time we did a podcast was when uh, I got to test out my my recruiting memory. I think it was when Jeremy Ruckert committed. Um, this would have been two years ago. It was like the summer of 2017. Jeremy Ruckert committed, and I think I I called into the podcast from a hotel in Texas. Oh um, right, we, we talked you were Jeremy media Ruckert days or something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that that was the last time that we that we did a podcast. I'm excited to do another one. It should be fun. Yeah, and especially because there's such great stuff to talk about with Ohio State right now. Yeah, lots State of right very now. good, lots of very good oh. Ohio State news to talk about. Jesus Christ, it's been rough. So, really, we're in the middle of of basketball season. We're getting towards the last month of the Big Ten regular season. And Patrick, we're at a point now where that 12 and one start that the Ohio State men's basketball team went on, it feels like an eternity ago. The fact that they've lost, uh, they had a little three game winning streak against Rutgers, Penn State, and Indiana, but they've lost their last two in very different ways to Illinois and then Michigan State. It's completely, in my opinion, turned how I feel about this season around a literal 360 degrees at the beginning of the season. I went in thinking, man, this is going to be rough, but it's building block for next season and it should be fun. Anyway, I'll be interested to see what Holtman can get out of his team. They start super hot. And I'm like, Oh damn, this is fun. This is a fun team. Holtman might be the greatest thing since John Wooden. And then all of a sudden it turned to 2019 and they sucked again. So it's actually kind of where I thought it would be, just a little more painfully because they got my expectations up so high early in the season. Yeah, I think that has been the <clears throat> the general reaction from Ohio State fans that I have seen. There there have been a couple folks who are maybe a little bit too upset about the yeah. season. I, so, I have settle seen, down. Settle down. Yeah, I, I have seen, uh, and I, I think we may have talked about this, uh, Colton and I may have talked about this on the last podcast, but actually maybe not about the um, – a couple people online saying that Chris Holtman should be fired, which is very, very obviously absurd. But yeah, um, it, it certainly has been frustrating that you know after they start off the season twelve and one, they're now I believe four and eight in the month uh, or in the uh, the year of twenty nineteen, and you know Big Ten play has obviously not been super kind to them. And then they go on the three game winning streak. It feels like they're back and now back to losing to an Illinois team that isn't all that great and losing to to Michigan State in especially frustrating fashion and which of those we're, we're going to recap both of those games which of those games do you think you would want to uh, want to start with because they're both frustrating in their own very unique ways yeah i mean i'm always a bad news first kind of guy so why don't we look at Illinois first because to me Going into these two games, if you told me you're going to win one as the Ohio State Buckeyes, you think, oh, okay, you're going to, you're going to beat Illinois and then lose to Michigan State. Uh, so losing to Michigan State was not a surprise, although they were winning, uh, you know, into the second half. So the fact that they lost 63 to 56 to Illinois is just like Illinois ha- has 10 wins and yeah, they was, got their 10th win <laughs> against Ohio State. And it was just brutal. And to me, Patrick, it, the frustrating thing about this season is the fact that the things that they were able to get by early in the season because of effort 
the effort hasn't gone away, but because they're playing better teams now that they're in the Big Ten season, their effort isn't, and their talent isn't going to carry them past their terrible shooting, their not being able to keep control of the basketball, and their insistence on fouling on a regular basis. Now, obviously, early in the season, the shooting was actually better, but the fact that you're shooting 38% against Illinois, like, holy crap. Yeah, I'm looking at, at three numbers here just for this this Illinois-Ohio State box score. 18, which is Ohio State's turnovers against Illinois. And Illinois Bad. creates a ton of turnovers. They play press, and we, we knew this would be mm-hmm. an issue. But you can't you can't do 18 turnovers. That's too many. I mean, C.J. Jackson on his, on his own had seven. And I, I just you – know, that's not a recipe for success, especially when you look at the second and third numbers, which are 15% from three and five personal fouls from Caleb Wesson. And that's been the issue for the entire, you know, 2019 part of this season where like you mentioned they can't shoot, they can't hold on to the ball and their their main player, their main scoring threat can't stay on the court. And I I think that a lot of it maybe isn't necessarily Caleb Wesson's fault in that he's he's being put in a really tough situation where he he has to play center, and he's not really a true center. He's not really big enough to play center. And he's being surrounded at times with guys who just don't know what they're doing on defense on the floor. And there are we, – we saw in the Michigan State game for just a couple minutes, um, Justin Arns was out there on the floor, and he just – he looks lost. He looks lost on defense. And I, I, I like Justin Arns' game. I think I'd like it a lot better in a couple years um, than I do right now. And – even times with Kyle Young, you put Kyle Young and Caleb Wesson out there at the same time, it's just, it doesn't work. They're they're not fast enough, the spacing isn't good enough, and it puts Caleb in a situation where he has to serve as a rim protector, which he just, he's not. Um, Caleb, Caleb Wesson is very much in the Jared Sollinger below yeah. <laughs> the rim post player. They're no they're not Ken Johnson type players that you think are gonna keep guys away from the rim. It's just it's just not what he does. And then like you said, Kyle Young I, I actually like Kyle Young. I, I appreciate yeah, I the like energy. His energy. Yeah, the energy he brings, he's not afraid to do anything, even coming off of the what is the stress fracture, he's diving on the floor. But when he's your second best post player and at times he has to start, wow, man, that's that's not a recipe for success in the Big Ten especially. Yeah, and then you you go and you play, you know, specifically in this Illinois game, you play against a team that has you know, not a ton of post presence generally, no. but then in this game they were dominant inside, and the uh, the kid whose name I absolutely cannot pronounce just looked fantastic. He looked like Georgie. an all star center. Yeah, yeah Georgie. Um, and it, it's it's because Ohio State doesn't have a rim protector on this team, and they you know they have to use Caleb Wesson in that role, and he's just not that. And then you pair that with the fact that against that press and just in every game in general, it's it's glaringly obvious that Ohio State does not have a point guard on this roster, at least not a true point guard. No. And C.J. Jackson, Keyshawn Woods, Dwayne Washington, Luther Muhammad, all combo guards, all not true point guards. And this roster is desperately in need of D.J. Carton next season, desperately in need of C.J. Walker next season. And they just don't have those guys on this roster. And it, it makes it very, very difficult for them to beat this the press. And I, I think that that is the main cause of the turnovers, obviously. And then those those turnovers, in turn, were the main cause for the loss to Illinois. And it, it was just – it was a sloppy game all around, like many of the games this, this season have been. Yeah, and I think, to me, the biggest disappointment – 
for the whole season has been uh, in in the backcourt. You expect someone like C.J. Jackson, who, yes, he's a transfer, but this is his third year with the program. You expect him to be able to solidify that position. And even if he's not a traditional point guard, you know, like Ohio State fans think of of someone like either Aaron Kraft or Mike Conley Jr., you expect him to be able to run the show and to keep things running smoothly. He's been there for a while. He's the, one of the few veterans with experience at Ohio State, and he just he doesn't seem to be improving. His shooting's better than it probably was last year a little bit, but that's not saying a whole lot. And then you've got Keyshawn Woods, who at the beginning of the season, I know, I think you wrote a piece about, you know, how we're going to see Chris Holtman balance two experienced guards and how they're going to be a, you know, a, a potential to really lead this team. And Keyshawn Woods, I mean, with all due respect, I guess, to his career at Wake Forest, like, I'd really just rather not see him on the floor because he's done after this year. He doesn't give you anything for this season. So you might as well just throw out some of these younger players and get them some experience because they're going to give you just as much malarkey as Keyshawn Woods does when he's on the floor. Yeah, and it's it certainly the, the Keyshawn Woods thing. I feel bad for him because I, I think that he's really, really in a rut. It, it seems like he's just he's lacking confidence. He is not playing up to the level that he has played at for most of his career and I'm not sure if it's because the just the talent around him is struggling if it's because he just doesn't fit in the system but he I I think I agree that he really doesn't he doesn't add a whole lot to the to the team when he's on the floor and he's not going to be here next year and I, I think I would rather see Dwayne Washington out there, especially you know late game situations where I think it was the Illinois game when Keyshawn Woods was out there late and just chucking up shots that weren't going to go in. And I, yeah, I just Keyshawn I, was one for six against Illinois. Yeah, not good. It's it's not good. And I I mean Dwayne Washington I don't think is any better as a basketball player right now just because he's so young and he's you know a young guard and that's that's hard to do in college basketball. But I think I would rather see Dwayne Washington because you probably got three more years of him. And that development time is crucial. Yeah, and he's shown at the beginning of the season that he can hit shots. Now, some of that shooting ability has gone away against better competition, but we know he can shoot it. So I would at least rather have him get some experience against better competition. But um, speaking of Keyshawn Woods shooting one for six against Illinois, only one person shot worse than him against Illinois. But it's actually someone who I'm totally okay with shooting worse than him, and that's Luther Muhammad, who obviously you want a little bit more from one of your starting guards in terms of offensive production. But we've had this conversation uh, in our Slack channel for Land Grant. He he might be I, – I know you think he's the second best player on the team. I'm actually going to give that edge to someone else, which we can talk about here in a minute. But if we're talking about young players getting experience, this is one thing that I actually like about what Holtman is doing. He's letting Luther Muhammad play – even when he's not necessarily contributing tremendously on offense, he's he made uh, he went <laughs> in the, these last two games, these last two losses, the last uh, last week, he was a combined one for fifteen, and I'm totally okay with that because of everything else he brings and how important I think he's going to be moving forward for this team in the coming seasons. Yeah, and the the Luther Muhammad stuff, just in general, I think I agree that you know a couple down games for him is obviously disappointing but it, it kind of it, it happens with a young player and I have kind of a not so much a theory just kind of a thought on why Ohio State is so up and down this year especially recently where they're they're depending so much 
on and I, I have I've articulated this a little bit on Twitter before, where they're depending so much on in season development for these guys to be mm-hmm. Big Ten level basketball players. And you saw in that three game winning streak, you know, Andre Weston scored fifteen points against Indiana. He scored you know, 15 against Penn State. He scored five against Rutgers. Luther Muhammad, 12 against Rutgers, 20 against Penn State. And then I think it was nine, yeah, nine against Indiana. Those guys are not, they weren't, they didn't come into the season that good. Andre Wesson and Luther Muhammad did not come into the season scoring 15 points a game. And Ohio State needs them to do that. And when they win games, it's because Luther Muhammad and Andre Wesson are scoring points. It's because they're hitting shots. It's because, I mean, Andre Wesson won Ohio State that Indiana game. I, I think maybe not single-handedly because C.J. Jackson did have the ridiculous three-pointer, but Andre Wesson playing with confidence is a really good player. It's a really legitimately good player, especially, which is strange to say given where he started his career, especially on offense. He he can score when he's playing with confidence, but as with any you know college kid, when you're expecting in-season development from him, there's going to be step-back games, and I think both of the last two losses have been that for both players. Andre Wesson, 10 points in the loss against Illinois, Luther Muhammad, like you said, two, and then in the loss against Michigan State, Andre Wesson, two points, Luther Muhammad, two. Or Andre Wesson, four points, four, Luther yeah. Muhammad, two. And that's just, <laughs> that's kind of the way it is sometimes with guys like that, where when you're really, really depending on two developmental players to to play well every single night, there's going to be drop-off games. And I, I think that has what, you know, that's what killed Ohio State recently is that their two developmental players are not playing well right now and they need to get back to doing that. And they just have to rely far too much on players that aren't really ready to to contribute at that level. Yeah, and I'm going to take a little bit of an exception with what you said in calling Andre Wesson and Luther Muhammad developmental players. I don't know that I would use that term. What what I would call them as is more like that quote unquote cliche glue guy. They're the guys. Yeah, I think who, that's fair. You know, they they are they're not supposed to be scoring double figures and if they do um, it's kind of an afterthought they're the guys who are going to go in and fight for rebounds they're going to play good defense Uh, they're going to be the ones as soon as somebody you know gets fouled they're helping them up they're the ones being the cheerleaders and Luther Muhammad and Andre Wesson they do that whether they're scoring or not so for me I will take both of those guys not scoring because I don't think that's what I expect them to do I expect Caleb Wesson to score I expect CJ Jackson to score the problem is they don't score all the time and there's yeah. literally there's literally nobody else on this team that I feel like we can count on as fans to score. If Musa Jallo is starting, like no offense to Musa, he came to Ohio State at 17. He's still got a long way to go to get to where I think he could play cuz he's shown flashes um of talent. But Musa Jallo starting on this team? I it, it 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 you're right. If you don't have Andre and Luther scoring, that's bad. But I think it's also bad that you have to have them score because that's not what they should be being called upon to do for this team. Yeah, for sure. And you know, you, you this is this is another thing and this is something that I think some fans don't necessarily love to hear. But, you know, last season that team was was really held up by four seniors who have played college basketball mm-hmm. quite a bit before. This team has what seven of 10 actual contributors or underclassmen. 
I mean, you know, Andre's a junior, CJ Jackson and Keyshawn Woods are both seniors. Everybody else is a sophomore or a freshman. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it, it, hold on, hold on. Let's not shortchange Joey Lane. Yeah, Joey Lane. Yeah, smoke is fair. the heart and soul. Joey buckets. And he can he uh, he he interacts with our content, so yeah, he's the he best does. Buckeye. He, he is um, my favorite. Yes. <laughs> but you've got such a young team, and to have your your star player, your your guy that you have to count on, in Caleb Wesson is a sophomore in college, and he wasn't a a one and done type guy. He was never really expected to be a one and done type guy. The, this kind of season will happen when that's the the guy that you have to lean on when you have to go out and much of this sophomore class was patched together at the last second because Holtman came here in June right and the the junior class was essentially decimated by attrition you've got one junior on this team you have two seniors both of whom were transfers and not to not to continue blaming a guy who is already gone but the the late stage Thad Mata recruiting, I think, really did contribute to what this team is because there's no veteran totally. experience on this team save for two transfer combo guards who were never really meant to be the number one guy on a team. I mean, when you have an entire recruiting class transfer, that says a not lot great. about yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that's not good. But something else that's not good that I did want to mention, you mentioned it earlier, and um, I don't want to throw the Columbus Dispatches, Adam Jardy under the bus, because I think he is getting a bad rap for something. Um, the Dispatch tweeted out his, an episode of his Basketball Hoops podcast asking the question, should Chris Holtman be fired? And in all fairness to him, he thought the question was ridiculous because it absolutely is. But the way yeah, the tweet came out... It was a bad it, tweet. <laughs> yeah, which I'm sure Adam did not actually do the tweet. So I want to make sure that people realize that Everybody joking about that and laughing about how awful that is, including our Twitter account, that was not Adam's fault necessarily. But I still don't understand how legitimate Ohio State basketball fans who know anything about sports in general, let alone this program, could think that Chris Holtman is not the person you want to lead it. Short of Coach K, uh, you know, coming straight out of West Point and deciding to take over the team 30 years ago, I, I just don't know what better option you could have. What you're seeing on the floor this season is not because he can't coach. I think the fact that they have 16 wins is a testament to how great of a coach that he is anyway. Well, and the thing that we've been saying since we did the basketball season preview back in November, or I guess October, um, is that this isn't the team <laughs> this this year is not the year for Ohio State and that this is kind of a gap year this is this is a year where you you want to develop your younger guys you want Luther Muhammad to learn how to play college basketball you want Caleb Wesson to keep getting more confident you want Andre Wesson to learn how to lead for next year you you know you want these guys who are currently athletes that know about basketball to become athletes that can play basketball <laughs> and that's still kind of going on and I would certainly like to see the young guys a little bit more maybe not all of them um didn't love to see again did not love to see Justin Ahrens in the Michigan State game I think it was nice he got to play against his brother maybe maybe not this year but I would like to see more of Jadon Ledee I'd like to see more of Dwayne Washington and you know Luther Muhammad I like seeing those guys on the floor because they're going to be key for next season when you get in what isn't it's not necessarily well it isn't the first true Holtman class because the the current freshman class was a Holtman class but you're getting Holtman's best class to date with three guys who can play immediately and I think can contribute immediately 
and just this year is more about developing the guys that you're going to put around those new freshmen, developing the guys that you're going to put around CJ Walker, developing the, the base for what should be a much more experienced, much less mistake prone team in, in 2020. And I think a team that can make a, you know, a big 10 championship run and maybe a tournament run from, from your mouth to uh, Fred Taylor's ears. Cause, uh, after watching this thing, this is, uh, this is going to take something good to get the, uh, the, the taste out of our mouths, but we haven't really touched much on the Michigan state game. We've kind of been going back and forth, but this was a game that Ohio State was leading by six at halftime. They were up 31 to 25. And then in the second half, they went on what has to be one of the most ridiculous second half droughts that you can imagine. I believe at one point it was 21 to two for Michigan State run towards the end of the game. Michigan State actually outscored the Buckeyes 37 to 13 after halftime. That is not something that can happen when you're looking to knock off what they were number 11 at the time, um, a, a team at the top of the Big Ten standings as an underdog. They looked great in the first half. They they looked like a team that knew what they were doing. They were under control. But after intermission, it just uh, kind of all went downhill from there. Yeah, I think that this this game might honestly be the most frustrated I've been with an Ohio State sporting <laughs> event um, in oh, wow. my time in my time at Land Grant, which is nearly two years now. Yeah. It was just miserable. It was an absolutely miserable second half. It was like. I during the during the football season, and I think people who listen to this podcast or read my stuff regularly could tell that I, I got to a point where I was unironically detached from the football team. I did not I, care what they did. Um, I, I had it noticed. I uh, was yeah. unaware of that sentiment. <laughs> yeah, when I was in the slack, disappointed that they didn't lose to Maryland. Um, <laughs> but it, it got to a point where. It was it was the kind of upset that I had not felt about Ohio State sports in several years because I was watching a a Michigan State lineup, if I'm remembering correctly. I think it was Matt McQuaid, Kenny Goins, Kyle Ahrens, Thomas, Thomas Kither, um, and Foster Lawyer out there. And for I, I don't you know, I don't watch Michigan State basketball super closely, but I I think I could tell just from watching those guys. Um, that's a really, really bad lineup. That's like, <laughs> that's like a high school lineup. That's a really, really bad group of basketball players. For Tom Izzo. For Tom Izzo. Yeah, for Tom. I think for anyone. <laughs> I, think, I think in general, if Foster Lawyer, I, I believe he was the point guard who was like. I can't like believe. I can't believe that is a a real person. And it's, it's very and, funny. Yeah. And not <laughs> and not the starting quarterback for the University of Georgia. Like that yeah. is a name, Foster Lawyer is the name of an SEC quarterback and a guy who wears a bow tie to uh, media availabilities. We do love that, yeah. <laughs> but Foster Lawyer, a guy who's like playing B- Big Ten basketball and smaller than I am, and I'm not large. I'm not a large man. Um, I'm also not very good at basketball, and I, I think I could take him one-on-one. But you know, you've got him out there. You've got a freshman center who obviously can't guard Caleb Wesson, and then you take Caleb Wesson out of the game. And then two shooters and then Kenny Goins. And that was the entire lineup. And they went on like a 20-0 run uh, against Ohio State starters in that time. (laughs) And it was just, it was so frustrating. Just absolutely miserable because it was, it wasn't just that Ohio State was playing poorly. It was that they were playing poorly against like a JV team. And I, I, I haven't seen that out of Chris Holtman to this point, generally they take care of business against bad teams, especially last year when they had a, a roster with like good players on it. But 
it was the the second half was just so frustrating because there was no reason for them to be struggling the way that they were and just no one could hit anything no one was playing defense and it felt like really for the first time of the the Holtman era it felt like they gave up in the second half and that that was really what got me was that the the effort was it was certainly there in the first half it was there early in the second half but then later on in the second half they were just throwing up shots and no, nothing was working nothing was going in and they just they didn't try to do anything to fix it well yeah i mean ohio state didn't have a field goal in the last seven minutes and 40 seconds of that game is that good no that is that is <laughs> no bueno that is very no bueno mucho no bueno that is very bad i mean especially when you consider you mentioned that lineup that you were watching michigan state play with that did not include nick ward because he broke his hand or something in the game and ohio state still couldn't take advantage of that with Caleb Wesson down low. So um, super frustrating. I don't know what this means moving forward. Ohio State will play against Northwestern um, by the time this episode comes out, either tomorrow or tonight on Wednesday uh, against Northwestern on BTN. If they lose that one to uh, if they lose that one to Northwestern, Patrick, I think at this point we should just cancel the rest of the season. We should just fold the program. <laughs> just fold it. Forget it. You just, you know, run Sim to the end of the season. Uh, but then they're going to play Maryland on Saturday. And Maryland is, you know, up in the top four or five in the conference. They're 19 and seven uh, overall. And they're a team that is fighting for uh, a Big Ten title. Maybe not necessarily in the regular season because they're a couple games back behind Michigan State and Michigan. But this is a legit team that can compete for a conference title and could make a run in the NCAA tournament. If Ohio State wants to have a chance to make the big dance, they've they've got to beat Maryland. They've got to beat Iowa probably coming up. Um, and they have to win you know, quite a few of these last six games if they want to have a legitimate shot, save a deep run in the Big Ten tournament. Yeah, much of the talk after the Indiana game was that Ohio State would have to go three and four, three and I guess four and four in their final eight games, um, which would include you know a win over in Illinois, obviously a win over <laughs> Northwestern both times, and then you take one of the ranked uh, opponents, and then they immediately go out and get embarrassed by Illinois, get crushed by Michigan State in the second half. And now they're in a place where they're sitting at, what, 16 and 9? Yeah, 16 and 9. Right. You've got six games left. Four of them are against, are against ranked teams. Two of them are against Northwestern. The Northwestern games, and I, I'm afraid to even say it now after Don't what they just it. did. Don't do the it. The Northwestern games should be winnable, you'd think, if they... <laughs> If they uh, if they'd like to play basketball again, if they'd like to go back to playing basketball, um, they're certainly crucial. I mean, I don't think you can lose either of the Northwestern games, and no, certainly not. Yeah, you you've got to win both of the Northwestern games, and then at least one of the ranked games. I think you know at, at Maryland or at Purdue would be very very helpful to add to the resume. But it just, I, I don't, I don't know how that's even possible. How they could beat either of those teams, given what this Buckeye team looks like right now, and for as as frustrating as they are to watch. And I think I said in the Slack after the the Michigan State game that I would prefer it if they just didn't go to any postseason tournament. <laughs> if they just turned down the NIT, I don't know if I believe that now that I've had some time to uh, 
Oh, trust me. <laughs> trust me. If you say that publicly, readers will not like you suggesting that an Ohio State athletic team no, does not compete do for a championship. They don't love it when you do that. I know that firsthand. <laughs> they know what to, they know what to expect from me now, though. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I got quite a bit of uh, hate mail when uh, not I used suggested to it from you. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, but so looking at it with these last two Northwestern games, if they don't win those, those are bad quadrant four losses that'll be held a significantly against them so if they want to go to the have any chance to go to the ncaa tournament they've got to win those they've got to win at least probably two more um, and then you know maybe have a little bit of a, a a run in the big 10 tournament whether that's a win or two uh, to give them a, an outside shot to be on that bubble but we have no idea what's going to happen in these last six games of the season but what we do know is is that on Saturday, April 13th, Ohio State football is going to have a win. They're also going to have a loss because that Mm. is the spring game. Tickets go on sale to the general public this Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern time. Uh, Don't want to spend a lot of time on this, Patrick, but we've not only written about but talked about uh, internally with all the land-grant folks what we think about this new coaching staff. You and Colton have talked about it here. But as we go into this spring game, Justin Fields will be on the – field uh suppose i mean you know unless something bad happens with an injury but with this new ish especially on defense coaching staff with a new quarterback um more than one new quarterback multiple new quarterbacks what are you expecting to get out of this spring game we're getting ready to start spring practice in a couple weeks but when they get to the end of spring practice mid-april what are you hoping to see at the shoe on april 13th well, I think that the main thing, and I, it's, I, I, this is something that I'll probably write about at some point. How I feel infinitely more excited about this season than I have an Ohio State season in a very long time, because it, it really does feel like a, a cloud of sorts is lifted from the program. A, you know, like a cloud that looks vaguely like Bill Davis and Greg Schiano, like combined into one person. Ugh. Um, and it, it just, I, I think the main thing that I want to see, the main thing I'm excited to see is new faces playing at the positions where Ohio State has struggled for several years now. I, I, I think I want to see, you know, young receivers getting on the field immediately. I want to see Garrett Wilson playing immediately. I want to see Tough Borland sitting on the bench while someone else plays <laughs> linebacker. I'm, I, fi- <laughs> I'm fine with him playing when Ohio State is up by 35 in the second half. I'm fine with him playing on Wisconsin. Um, <laughs> I want to see, you know, Brendan wait, White. Wait, wait, against Wisconsin or on, actually on Wisconsin's team? On Wisconsin. Team. I'm okay. excited for him to play at Wisconsin uh, okay. when he's on their team. Yes. Um, <laughs> that's not me reporting that. <laughs> no, he he is. Him and Pete Werner are Wisconsin. They're probably Wisconsin basketball players, honestly. Yeah. Anyway, they're go both ahead. brothers of um, whoever Wisconsin's point guard is, the one that takes all the charges. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm excited to uh, to see uh, linebackers who can like run uh, at all and don't don't just jog and then fall down. Um, I'm excited to see what the Viper position might what might look like that Greg Madison has has talked about before. I'm hoping that it looks a lot like a nickelback which is i think what ohio state pretty desperately needs at this point and i'm excited to see both of the you know the young cornerbacks finally getting their due and finally getting some some time to to start those two being jeffrey okuda and sean wade obviously the the new look defense in general i'm excited to see i, I think that 
I'm I'm certainly happier with this staff than I was the last staff. There are still some coaches on this staff I'm not super confident in, especially on the offensive line side of the ball. But I, I think that I'm much more maybe not trusting of this staff. I have a natural distrust of uh, any and all football coaches until they prove that they can actually coach. But I think I'm much more willing to give this staff the benefit of the doubt, given that none of them were like the best man at Ryan Day's wedding or anything like that. (laughs) Yeah, well, what's interesting is that everything that you said you were excited about was pretty much, not all of it, but almost all of it, was on the defensive side of the ball. I am very much interested to see how this new coaching staff actually implements things on the field. I'll tell you right now, they killed it at press conferences. They got me, those press conferences with Jeff Howley got me pumped. I'm super excited about Al Washington and Greg Madison. I'm excited for them to be there. I want to see how that translates onto the field, but I'm a little disappointed in you, Patrick, because the one thing that I thought you would at least say, because it's something that I know you're going to be championing throughout the season, is I'm excited to see Demario McCall actually touch the freaking ball out of the backfield because if they don't use him i will immediately turn against ryan day and everything that he stands for because there's no reason We're gonna to have fight s- the brigade to get him fired in year one <laughs> i i just don't understand how demario mccall can be on this ohio state team for what he's a, he's a junior now he'll be I believe he has redshirt sophomore eligibility okay. but this is his third year are you sure because i yeah I, mean, I, yeah I think so I think because he played some in 2016, I know. But yeah, anyway, I was what... um, I was researching this yesterday for a piece people will be able to read in a couple weeks. I think I'm not sure if we're put, if we're to a point where we can tease that too tangibly, but um, yeah. Um, <laughs> but I believe he has redshirt sophomore eligibility because he only played three games in 2017, and I think they got him an injury redshirt. Yeah, because he did get hurt. But either way, there's no reason he should be should have been a part of that team last year, even with Weber and Dobbins and not have touched the ball more. Um, And I'm very glad that he is now officially considered a running back again and not forced into an H back position, which is not what he's naturally good at. So I'm excited to see what they do with him because I don't know if he'll be the number two running back behind JK Dobbins. I don't know if that'll be master Teague steel chambers, whatever fake pro wrestling name they want to throw in there. Um, but he, he needs to touch the ball more. I, I don't care how they do it. Just, just get Demario the damn ball. Yeah, I agree. And I, I think that the, I have, I have confidence that, there, there will be more DeMario on the field, um, not just because of the, the final three games where he saw the field as a running yeah. back, which is the position that he plays, but because Ryan Day went and hired Mike Yursich, who has no problem with playing small running backs. He, has, he, he realizes that it's not an issue anymore, and your running backs can be whatever size they want to be. And with DeMario, there are still, I mean, there's going to be the the warts. There's going to be the mistakes where he fumbles a kickoff or mm-hmm. where he makes a mistake. But he's he is too good at football to keep him off the field. He is too electric with the ball in his hands. And I, I think that you know the main thing with him and the main thing with Demario and just making him work in your offense is giving him the ball and getting out of his way. And <laughs> just he's he's fast enough. He's good enough that. 
you really don't have to work all that hard for it. You you don't have to, you know, football can be pretty easy sometimes when you just hand the ball off to somebody that's faster than everybody else. And I, I think that there's certainly still obviously a place for J.K. Dobbins to be the main back, but in an offense sure. like Yursich's where it's, it's air raid influenced, it's very open, there's a ton of open grass to run to, Demario McCall is is the perfect back for that system. It, this is probably getting a little bit more in depth than I than I wanted to, but I don't get to ask you these kind of questions very often. You know as much about the Big Twelve football scene as anybody here uh, at Land Grant. So, how do you see Yursich being whatever they're calling him? The I don't know, off, passing game coordinator, whatever the hell they're calling him. How do you see him using a player like Justin Fields, who not only can throw the ball, maybe not as well yet um, as Dwayne Haskins, but pretty close, but who also has the ability to run. Again, not at Braxton level, Terrell Pryor levels, but a heck of a lot better than Haskins or Cardale Jones ever did. Well, the thing with with Yurisich and the thing with his offense um, and I mentioned this when he was he was hired, I think, in a piece, is that we probably haven't actually seen a ton of it yet just because Mike Gundy's system is Mike Gundy's system, and right. the guy that he hires is going to run Mike Gundy's system. But I, I think Yursich's offense and the air raid in general, at least in its, its modern form, which we have seen now at Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, Clemson was running it this year, Alabama, where it's not necessarily the true Mike Leach, Hal Mummy style. They can... You can run the ball a little bit more. It's it's not as as um, as focused on the passing game, but it has those concepts. Um, the the main way that it that it uses any quarterback, not just Justin Fields, but it's it's a very very quarterback friendly system, and that's you know you you see that with Oklahoma winning two straight Heisman's, and you see that with Oklahoma State turning a a walk on quarterback into someone who is. Um, maybe not great, but at least pretty good um, in Taylor Cornelius. And the the reason that 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 is how it is is because there's so much spacing. There's so much open room. It's not afraid to use the entirety of the field vertically or horizontally. And everything is quick. Everything happens very, very fast. And as long as your quarterback can make those reads, it doesn't matter how strong he is. It, it doesn't, you know, it, it's just it's an accuracy thing and it's a seeing the field thing. And as far as we can tell, Ryan Day is really, really good at coaching quarterbacks, and I think Yursich is too. And ultimately, if Justin Fields knows what's happening on the play, he'll be able to make the passes. He he can he can beat the defense, and I, I think that any quarterback on this roster could do that. Um, it's just it's certainly a, a huge help that he has the arm that he does, that he has the speed that he does. And I, I think that that'll just go to to enhance the offense, to add more layers to it. But regardless, the offense is going to be able to pass. I, I think the offense would be able to pass with Chris Chuganoff as the quarterback. I I, I think that a a Yursich <laughs> offense, a Yursich offense, a Ryan Day offense is going to have passing plays that, if the quarterback knows where he is on the field, are going to be automatic. I mean, mesh plays, which is Ryan Day's main thing, is going to work every time if you know what you're looking for. And I think they're going to have Justin Fields ready to know what he's looking for. I uh, am officially the leader of the uh, Chris Chuganoff Stan fan club. So uh, yeah, <laughs> preach there. All right. Well, we're we're out of time here, Patrick. I was gonna ask you to break down the American Alliance of football, uh, but apparently we ran out of time, so we're not gonna get to that. So that's uh, yeah, too bad. <laughs> Although I will say the old ball coach 
saying an AAF game has a better atmosphere than a game at Tennessee is hilarious. He rules. Uh, yeah. I love that. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you for listening to the Hangout in the Holy Land. You can find all episodes of the podcast on landgrantholyland.com, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your daily dose of podcast goodness. You can follow this very podcast at Holy Land Pod on Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at BWWMatt. You can follow Patrick at Patrick underscore Mayhorn. You can follow the site at LandGrant33 on Twitter and at LandGrantHolyLand on Facebook. Uh, Patrick, we got to do this more often. I know Colton will be back next week, but uh, there's going to be a lot of uh, changes and interesting stuff going on with our, our podcast here coming up. So hopefully you and I can do this a little bit more often in the future. Yeah, for sure. There should be some um, some some new podcast stuff coming people's way soon. All good stuff. Nothing no. um, nothing people I mean, will be mad about for sure. <laughs> I mean, not not until the football season at least. Yeah, yeah. They love to get mad at us during the football season. <laughs> That's fine. We, we we like that. All yeah. right. Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a good week and go Bucks.